This podcast episode may contain language and depiction of suicide and eating disorders that some survivors or those in recovery may find upsetting. Please consider your triggers and well-being before listening to this episode. Hi, I'm Kara, and I'm here to change the conversations around mental health and eating disorders, bringing real-life stories of survivors, those in recovery, and my personal journey. It is estimated that one in five adults experience mental health illness. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34. It is estimated that 8 million Americans have an eating disorder, 7 million women and 1 million men. Only one in 10 people with an eating disorder actually receive treatment. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. One person dies as a direct result of their eating disorder every 52 minutes, whether through medical complications or by suicide. This podcast will lead the way for having those hard conversations about mental health and eating disorders. This podcast will also focus on the healing properties of being in nature, which for me, completely changed my life. I've suffered from an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, PTSD most of my life. I've hit rock bottoms numerous times and have been in and out of mental facilities, but it wasn't until June 16th of 2021, the day that I was contemplating taking my own life, that I was placed on a suicide hold that changed my life. My biggest secret during that hold came out and that was my eating disorder. I have anorexia as well as binge eating with restriction. And from my suicide hold, I was in the hospital for six days. I entered an eating disorder virtual program. And from this, I placed people or I have people in my life that helped me to achieve recovery. And those specific people are the people that I am bringing on this podcast to help explain my own journey. Each of these people helped to change my life in some way, as well as help me progress into the person that I am nowadays. Last summer, I was helping my brother with his one man show at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And all of my brother's friends came and we watched the show and then we went over to Jones afterwards for some pizza. And I happened to be sitting between my brother and his friend Xavier, who is now my podcast producer. We started kind of talking about what I did and what he did. And he started talking about that he was a podcast producer you know, bells went off my head and it was just like, ding, ding, ding. And I remember looking at my brother, even though he was deep in conversation with somebody else. And I'm just like, why is this connection never happened? We started talking, me and Xavier, and I was like, I have an idea for a podcast that I've always really, really wanted to do. And we just started talking about it and he was excited. I was excited. So it just happened. It just happened from there. And I think it's just uh, being in the right place at the right time. So this was the very, obviously the very first time that I've ever done a podcast in my life. So I didn't really know the process. I didn't know everything that went into it. I knew there was a lot that went into it, but I didn't realize the broad spectrum of everything, the scripts, the, you know, setting up the guests, creating um, intros and outros and picking the music and coming up with a logo and all that you know, it was a, it was a big process, but I am so grateful that I ended up going with 
somebody that my brother knew as well as I knew because it created a safe environment for me to tell my story and feel comfortable about telling my story. And he also really, Xavier, I'm talking about Xavier, also really, really helped to guide me in, you know, this being my first podcast and me not really knowing how to be a host, how to talk into a microphone. So it just, it's been a, it's been a big process and it's almost taken us three fourths of a year now to get it out. But I think that through all of this and all that time that it was needed for that, because of the seriousness and the, I would say, just like the the big part of this conversation is, you know, it, it's dealing with mental health and it's dealing with eating disorders. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a hard conversation to have. And I wanted to make sure that we were going to do it in the right way. So when I started this podcast, I wasn't exactly sure the the way that I wanted to tell my story. And I thought one of the biggest parts that would be really cool is to actually invite guests on that helped me in my journey. So people like my friends that were there when it actually happened, um, my dietitian from program, um, the social worker that helps to bring me to the actual hospital. I wanted to get that perspective to show. I'm. I mean, for the the big thing is is I don't think we ever have these conversations out loud. Um, we talk about you know, mental health on a very surface and I want to, I want to get deeper. Uh, so I chose guests that I knew that helped to change my life and helped to make me get to recovery. Um, as well as after program, getting me to a place where I could be more confident and start my own business and, progress in my life in a different way than I was living before. Uh, Because obviously what I was living before was not working. So all of the guests that I have on, they all helped create a environment that helped me heal and get to a place of recovery. And I wanted, I wanted the audience to really see that there is, that all these people, all this, this huge community of people around you want to see you succeed and they want to see they want to see you stay in recovery. And so I wanted guests that would show that. And then the other aspect of it, I wanted to also show how much nature has been a huge part of my healing. And I I'm hoping that, you know, we can start bringing on more guests in season 2 to talk about more of journeys of people in nature, them, them healing themselves in nature. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, but this first season, I definitely just wanted to show kind of the raw look of what I went through and the people that contributed to my success and my progress in recovery. So let's get into my journey. So I don't know if there's one word to really describe my 2020 I have never endured so much heartbreak, loss, and resentment. Um, after everything happened and everything shut down, my world just completely changed. 
Um, I lost a lot of people that year. Um, one of them being my grandmother who died in a nursing home, um, with nobody by her side and that shattered me and I wasn't able to say goodbye. And so from there, just things continued to spiral out of control. I, I lost a couple of family pets. Um, I lost a coworker friend to cancer. I lost a uncle to cancer. And I think that I, because of who I am as a person, I've always put everybody else ahead of me. So I've never, I've never really put any thought into taking care of myself. It's always been towards other people. While I was working at an animal hospital, which the veterinary world took a huge hit during COVID, as did a lot of other industries, um, especially human health care. Uh, but I tried my hardest to do whatever I could to make the employees that I worked with happy. Uh, and it seemed like an impossible challenge because COVID just, it hit everybody so hard. There's so many people that lost people, people that were out because they actually got COVID. And I just wanted to continue to create an environment that showed that we as administrators cared and we cared about their well-being. And it, it took a huge toll on me. I got to the point that I could not, I couldn't make anybody happy. Um, no matter what I did, it just didn't seem to do anything. And because I never put myself first, it just, it broke me down to the point that I contemplating take, taking my life. And so it was kind of a, a year process. And in 2021, I thought the year might be a little bit different, but it didn't. And a couple things happened that just kind of became a catalyst into me 100% wanting, creating a plan to take my life. And two of those things were um, a friend from childhood that I've known since second grade um, had taken his life. And I was supposed to hang out with him in the next couple of weeks. He had just moved back to LA and... I felt like I should have been there. We should have hung out sooner. For some somehow I felt like I didn't do enough to help save his life. Uh, so that was just very, very hard on me. Um, and the other kind of catalyst was that the one of my exes that I had been with for almost four years um, had texted me and told me that the entire time that we were together, he never really loved me. And this has been a kind of continuous thing that I've heard throughout my life. And so it just, I, it hit me and I was like, wow, I've been told that I'm not special. I'm just like all the other girls, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing unique about me. And, you know, I have heard like, I wish that I could love you and you're really, really hard to love you have too many, you have too much going on. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't take with somebody that has depression. And so it brought me down to a point that I was like, I, why am I here? Why am I living? If literally no one is going to love me, you know, I'm just another person walking around. What does my life mean? Why am I here? And obviously I know now <laughs> 
that my self-worth and my happiness all has to come from me, uh, from learning how to take care of myself and putting myself first. So that I know is, is a big thing. I have two older brothers who both went off to college. So I had four years of my parents all by myself, and that was high school. Both my parents were alcoholics. Because it was just me, uh, I got a brunt of a lot of the problems that, you know, my parents never, I don't think I've ever really faced or talked about, you know, with their own journeys. And, and it took a huge mental toll on me. I was constantly afraid that they were going to die. So I was constantly afraid of my parents not being there. I had to grow up very fast. I felt like I was an adult when I was a child because of the fact that I always wanted to make sure that my parents were going to die. Like I was, I was so afraid that that was going to happen. Um, there's times that I would, as a 16 year old, go and pick up my dad from the bar because I was afraid that he was going to drive home drunk and, and get in an accident and die. Um, I would stay awake at night until I knew that my mom had either fallen asleep downstairs or that she actually made it to bed, uh, which caused me to sleep in high school in class a lot um, and just not be focused. My entire life, I've been somebody that has been easily controlled, easily manipulated, easily told what to do. So, you know, I don't think that I ever really, I never really created an identity for myself. Um, even with, so my, my middle brother is kind of known all throughout Green Bay, all the teachers and school and everything. And so when I entered high school, I didn't really have, people didn't know me by my name. I was Johnny Yoder's little sister. So it's just like going into a big thing like that, high school. I mean, your first year in high school. Um, and I, I didn't have an identity for myself. I was under somebody else's. And I, I worked so hard because he had accomplished so much in high school and was seen as this aspiring person that I strived most of my life to be like him. I would work so hard to get straight A's. Um, I would try out for musicals and show choir and I wouldn't get the same reaction. I didn't, you know, I didn't make it into show choir like he did. I didn't make it into musicals. It was hard for me to try to figure out how to create this person that wasn't under somebody else. And, you know, until everything happened when I was 35, I don't think that I ever really 100% created this identity of who I was. I've always just hidden behind everybody else. If that's a friend, a boyfriend, um, you know, marriage, it just, I had just come to a place that I didn't know how to get out of. Um, so in 2021, um, I was to the point that I was just, I was so exhausted. I had not gotten the help that I had needed. I had 
been so much in my eating disorder that I lost about 60 pounds in six months. Um, And nobody really noticed that, not even my doctors. And I just was not, I was not in a healthy place. I wish that I could explain the kind of tired that I felt. Like I just, it was the kind of tired that sleep just wouldn't fix. This like exhaustion ran really deep in my soul and just like my innermost being. It goes way past the physical and the mental and emotional and spiritual tiredness. Um, I had come to where I just had no joy. All I was doing was working. That was my identity. Uh, I would wake up, go to work, be at work for 12, sometimes 14, 15 hours, go home and go to bed. It was just a repeat of that every single day. I was completely worn down by just this constant battle of being in my own head. Um, I felt like I needed to give up. You know, you get to that point, I was wondering why, why I was still trying. I would put like whatever part of me that I had left into other things that helped other people, um, but didn't benefit me at all. I felt so hopeless and so worthless and alone that I just, I was trying so hard to put everything I had around me together, but it just, it never, never good enough. And I think one of the other big catalysts that kind of led me down this path was in 2019, I was dating a, um, a guy who was super into nature into backpacking and camping and ignited this, this passion. I've always been interested, you know, I've grew up camping, grew up being outside. I can tell you that as a child, even in Wisconsin, when it was like five degrees outside, I would be outside. Even and most of the time, you know, I, I've noticed that a lot of my childhood, I was by myself. I think that I, you know, it's kind of a realization now that you know, I was, I was lonely in most of those times, but I think that I knew myself a lot more than I think I did. But anyways, so I basically had walked in on this guy. He was having sex with another woman. Um, and I walked in on that. I just, I'd never experienced something like that. And it just broke down every fiber in my body, uh, to the point that I was like, I need to know who I am. I need to love this person. And I decided that through nature was how I was going to do it. So the very first time that I kind of started the solo journey was in November of 2019. I decided that I was going to go solo camp. I didn't want to go too far away. So I decided that I was going to go to uh, Malibu um, and stay at the Malibu uh, campground uh, because it was close, even though it still felt like I was, you know, away from the city um, that if I, you know, freaked out or I just felt like I couldn't do it, I wasn't too far away that I could just drive home. Um, But to tell you this experience was, man, it was life changing. It's I have never felt so empowered and so grounded. I remember I set up my tent. It was a tent I borrowed from my brother. Most of the stuff I I borrowed from my brother because I didn't really have a lot of camping stuff. And just that accomplishment of I set up this tent by myself and I set up, you know, everything that came with it, you know, where my, I remember the next day when I woke up, 
uh, I was just like, I'm going to get this day started. And I ended up walking through the Santa Monica mountains, I think almost 10 miles by myself. And even though there was, you know, other people around trails, there were multiple times that I was by myself for hours. Um, you know, and I got to see the mash, uh, where mash was recorded. When I was out there, it's just the, the feeling and the smells of nature. It was nothing I've ever experienced in my life. I still have a hard time expressing what that feeling is, uh, but it's just, it's, it's so, it's so amazing. And I also, when I left, I remember getting in my car and I was just like, fuck yeah, I did this. Like I just spent two nights at a campground by myself and I just felt like I accomplished, I like accomplished the world. Um, and I was just, I remember driving home and I was, you know, I took kind of the long way home so I could go on the PCH, um, and back through the mountains. And I would know, I remember I was like blasting music and I was just like, oh my gosh, look what I just did. Like, I cannot believe I just did that. So that just kind of created this outlet for me. And I started to, you know, hike on the weekends, um, solo. I started to go to other national parks. Um, that's a huge dream of mine is to visit every national park as well as state park. When the pandemic hit, everything shut down. I lost that outlet. I remember the very last weekend before everything closed down, um, I was in, I had gone to the Grand Canyon and I Man, it was it was such a a very cool experience, but yet it was also very scary because I knew that something was happening. COVID was, you know, this thing was happening. I didn't know the extent to what was going to happen with all of it. I got back and I was so in a place of like I was so anxious and I was so scared. I didn't know, you know, what I was doing. And I also that was the very last weekend that I had contact with the person that I was dating. I had decided for myself that I I needed to cut off contact with him uh, because it just was not serving me. And so just kind of all of that just kind of happened at once. And I just, the biggest thing was like, I was cut off. You know, all the parks, Griffith Park was closed down. Everything was closed down. I was stuck inside and I wasn't able to have that outlet with nature. And then in, in June, I ended up getting a kidney stone um, that I had for an entire month, had to have surgery um, to get it out. And then I had to have a stent that I wore for two weeks. I kind of kept everything open. And after that, I started to feel not good. I had this these pains. My whole body just hurt and I couldn't I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was like almost bedridden. Like sometimes I couldn't even get out of bed because it hurt so much. Doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. They ran so many tests and everything would come back normal as it does. So I ended up um, seeing a rheumatologist that he then diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, which that then changed my entire life because I, I could barely walk a mile. I can barely walk half a mile. So it was like, how was I going to get back to the life that I had where I was camping and backpacking and enjoying nature? And now I can't even, I can't even do any of that. 
So it's just all these things that were kind of building on, on top of each other that just led me down to this place that I was, I was like, I'm just, I'm done. And so on, you know, the week before, on, before June 16th, I had written letters to all of my family members explaining, you know, why this was happening and that I just didn't feel like I needed to be here anymore. Uh, and then through some sort of, you know, universe, uh, my life was saved on June 16th. And I actually got the help that I needed, that I finally needed in my life um, to actually go through all the trauma that I had gone through and actually process stuff that happened to my life and create this this identity, this this Kara that is an individual who is by herself unique. When I came up with the idea for this podcast, I think that I didn't 100% know what it was going to be like because I, I basically was going to be reliving what I went through in 2021. And I think what makes this podcast different than other podcasts is that I'm still very much in recovery. I'm only a little bit over a year now out of from being in program. So I think that that shows... It's obviously courage um, and being brave about telling my story and almost, you know, reliving it through my guests that I have on. And that process has been, it's been eye-opening in a different way because I've been able to, I guess, now that I'm on the other side of it is understanding what impact I had on other people and the impact that they had on me. I think it just, it, it really gives you a glimpse into somebody's real life struggles a day to day. I can tell you that I wake up every single day and it is a conscious choice, a conscious choice to be in recovery and continue to be in recovery in general. And I think that this podcast has really helped me see that all, I mean, the big thing is all of the progress that I have made. I cannot believe that I'm here talking to everybody about my journey. Um, and I have a podcast and I own a business and I'm going to be coming out with a nonprofit. Uh, just immensely the amount of change and progress that I've made in my life because of telling my journey and kind of reliving those experiences. I am so blessed to be here to help change the conversation around mental health and eating disorders. The Journey Podcast is brought to you by Dr. April's Hollywood Mobile Vet, Craft 9 Hair Design, and a list of community backers, which you will see in the show notes. This podcast is produced and edited by Mejia TV and can be found on all major podcast platforms. You can support this podcast by liking this episode and subscribing to it. You can also support me by rating this podcast and following me on social media at The Journey Podcast CY. Also, join me every week for a hike around the Los Angeles area. For more information on this episode, visit www.thejourneypodcastcy.com. Thank you for listening and supporting The Journey Podcast.